The more you think about it, it's all connected, you know? Podcast. Pod. Cast. The pod comes from iPod, but what does that really mean? It can't just be based off the shape. Have you ever seen a pod shaped like that? Podcast. Pod. Like a seed pod. iPods and phones both use electricity. So do people. Bioelectricity. Podcast, iPod, seed pod, bioelectricity. It's a straight line. It's simple. There's something alive in your phone. Your phone is alive. And what about cast? Like the cast of a play? Or like to cast a net? You take pictures of yourself with your phone, and suddenly there's another you in the phone. You don't know how that works. Do you know how that works? Electricity. Bioelectricity. Podcast. Seed pod electricity. Another you. What does that mean? There's another you inside your phone, and it's alive. Why is no one talking about this? Apple doesn't want you talking about this. They want you listening to podcasts. Like now. So the pod can cast its net. It's all about bioelectricity. And what's the bioelectricity for? And what are you listening to right this instant? That's right. Parallel Lives. Parallel Lives is your Recognite role-playing resource, exploring systems outside the dungeon and off the beaten pathfinder. This episode is an hour long. Welcome to Parallel Lives. I'm Wednesday Sophia, and today I'm joined by Hugh, Carrie, and Charles, and we are your hosts. We are looking at... Or are we? Bum bum bum! Conspiracist. Conspiracist. Conspiracist was published in May 2017 by Sterling Joyner, and it is a game... Sterling. Stirring? Stirring. Stirring, Stirring language around. It's Joyner. Chain, yeah. And then recombining. Yeah, so what, New like, meanings. conjunctions usually are joiners? I think is, a stirring words rejoinder is actually oh. a thing. Oh, yeah. you're right. Yeah. So we're still definitely talking about someone who's good at language, probably someone into, like, emotionally moving prose. Mm-hmm. But it's it's sterling, too, so shining will never rust. Hmm. Silvery. Silvery. Silvery, 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 silvery. Yeah, so silvery joiner, some kind of latecomer to precious metal trading, perhaps? Ooh, or maybe they're old? This Mm. is a game about conspiracy theories, as I hope you can tell from that nonsense spitballing we just did. We prepared for this game, and therefore this podcast, by... Jinglier intros. (laughs) Hmm. He's telling us something about our podcast. Oh, man. Oh, Jinglier no, intros. Jinglier intros. I Wait, don't actually Wednesday? know. Write a jingle. Yeah. Oh, no. Out of the dungeon. And into the light. It's parallel lives. Get ready to fight. <laughs> <laughs> That's 60% better than I thought we'd have done, actually, with that. Um, Ringers jointly. Ringers jointly. So... It's about a pair of du- duplicates, doppelgangers, doubles. Ding-a-ling-ling, it's Parallel Lives. We prepared for this podcast by watching a lot of conspiracy theory videos and basically brushing up on our free association skills, which we're demonstrating to you now, dear listener. I mean, I'm Instead actually of... reading off a list of anagrams, which is sort of like free association, except you do research. It's sort of like free association... Except that it actually contains the keys to understanding the source code 
of existence. I'm going to blow your mind here. Free association isn't free. Whoa, Whoa. Wednesday. Jesting in Lori. Ooh. Noted television comedian. Yeah. 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 Hugh Laurie. Yeah. A jester in Laurie. How deep does this rabbit hole go? It's, it's actually spelled Laurie like a truck, not Laurie uh, like. How deep does this truck hole go? We're going to talk about the game. We're going to ollie out how of the truck hole, actually. How, how deep is Welcome to Parallel Lives. Um, <laughs> 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 not for real. I'm not restarting it for real. No. So we're looking at Conspiracist today. Conspiracist is a light game, but it does have a GM. Uh, in this case, our GM was Hugh. And it starts off basically like we were just doing, where the GM gives us literally anything, and then we, all together, have to somehow piece out what our plan is from there and what we're trying to do. You, you have neglected to mention that we are initiates of the Illuminati. I did forget to mention that. <laughs> yeah, no, it is not just it's <laughs> time, it's time. a sort of art exercise. <laughs> it, it's time, dear listeners, we've, we've decided to finally come clean. We are actually we, members us. of the podcast Illuminati. His yep. hiss, I'm Yeah, we forget to mention Wednesday. when a game involves that in its premise because we all just operate from there you, as a base assumption. You think the podcast Illuminati is the Max Fun Network? It's not. It's, it's actually us. Yeah, just in somebody's living room. Yeah. We've been pulling the strings and staying under the radar by having no one listen to us. Yeah, illuminating mankind doesn't actually pay very well. Yeah, well. <laughs> so the way that we did our like free association generation is that Hugh asked each of us to come up with a word and then found a YouTube video that matched... Our three words. I mean, I searched that phrase in you on YouTube, and oh, I, I didn't have to go okay. like through by hand and and sort through all the YouTube videos till. So he shows us. We, we did a little bit of character creation, very very minimal stuff. You know, just standard name, motivation, occupation, species. Very very normal. Are you or have you ever been a member of the reptilian race? Not a high. No. Are Never. Are you sure? <laughs> Never. Certainly where not. Does, where does the woman peddle crustacean remnants? Literally. Why don't you answer my question? The sound of that car passing was my answer. Wow. So, guys, we played a game, didn't we? We Yeah. Getting into the weeds on this one. Yeah, so, no, you, you play as a So let's talk about Illuminati the public health care oh, oh, God. Let's not. <laughs> Be towed. You play as a group of recent joiners. You're explicitly sort of low-level members of the Illuminati. and Recent you, initiates. Recent initiates, yeah. And you are being presented with a mission. And by presented with a mission, we mean you are handed sort of literally anything. And you must free associate your way to making that thing into a mission briefing. Uh, In our case, our mission briefing was a 12-minute video, which we watched about seven minutes of, of a guy teaching us to play the Modest Mouse song Sleepwalker on the guitar. Small side note, don't make the minor error we did and choose a 12-minute video. You will realize midway through that it is too long. But uh, a video, I thought, was actually a very good choice. I There is a lot to chew on in even the most mundane video of a dude slowly teaching you a Modest Mouse song. Yeah, and even if uh, you're like me, perhaps, trying desperately to try and write down lizard pop hits, 
we'll get to that <laughs> later, you can still pick out a lot enough to form basically anything if you squint at it hard enough. For what it's worth, the YouTube video idea wasn't original. The list of mission briefing suggestions includes a number of, like, the top YouTube search result for thing. Open a book and type the first two nouns you see into YouTube and click on the first video under one minute that you see. This is just chaos magic. Yeah. <laughs> like, the sincere witches I know do this. Huh. All right. Someone's conned us into performing a magical ritual for them. I hope we charged their sigil good. We've We're already not even a teenage teen girl. <laughs> I'm glad we both went there immediately. <laughs> I mean, where else teen we go? witches in stereo over here. Look, it's 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 the beginning of November. We just released the Teen Witch episode. I've been thinking about being a teen witch. Oh, a lot. we managed to put our spookisode on Halloween. I didn't even know. Yeah, no, Wednesday's <laughs> oh, a good, so good podcastress. I do what I can. Pod mistress is actually standard. Okay, fine, whatever. Pod mistress is some kind of weird science fiction kink. Yeah. In <laughs> the weeds again. Anyways, weeds again. Wait, and we're 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 to pulling back pull us out. out of the weeds. So, okay. So this game is very, very, like, rules light. Um, it we is, can talk about that. Yes, it is It is a mere shell of a game, but the extent to which it has, like, rules and mechanics, I think the rules and mechanics are really pretty good. Every, every rule less. in this game furthers its feel and its setting, all six of them. Yeah. yeah, so one of the things in the rules is that you have two specialties... And your specialties are, are from a, basically a list of adjectives and nouns. And you can put them you, together in any way. You match them up together way. and then you decide what that skill means? Yeah, so like... Which is my, so cute. Yeah, my character had one skill that was uh, philosophical assassination, which is just hella rad. Crowdsourced deception was the one that actually gave me a character concept. Emotional information gathering. Yeah, and then I had the more normal, like, digital sabotage and language, linguistic persuasion. But, like, there are some really charming, really fun... Wednesday also had explosive deception. Explosive deception was pretty useful. Yep. We... Somehow our most used skill in a game that didn't <laughs> contain, like, too many explosions? Just one. I, one. I used it for two things. One... To deceive someone to tell them that their explosives didn't work, and two, to explode somewhere to make it look like well, we died. You also, you also hid those explosives. Oh yeah, I did to do get that. them past the cops. I was an excellent lizard, and by lizard I mean human. <laughs> Liz Thank Frill did you. good today. <laughs> so yeah, again, like all of the rules here are charming and adorable and fun and good, and there are not enough of them. I spent about half the game wondering whether the system worked. Uh, and then the next half of it, pretty sure that it mostly did, once we consulted an example of play and realized that the explicit idea is you roll every time a character tries to do something, and about half the time, the game doesn't really have, like, success to failure as the range of a roll. It's success to something weird happens, add a complication to the plot. And what we learned midway in is that when it says that, it means that, like, it expects your plot to tangent off itself in a way that reminds you of a certain school of humor, that if ninjas and monkeys both appear within your game's explicit canon plot, you're probably playing the game right. And they didn't appear in ours, because I think we played it accidentally 
more serious than intended yeah, we, game. We, we play sort of a grim dark <laughs> game of of conspiracist. I think I would have gone more for, for darkly comic. We did the, like the black comedy version of no, this. No, sure. I, I'm mostly you impersonate what I meant. the Russian dele- naval delegation and to sneak on board an aircraft carrier yeah. to kidnap a small Estonian boy who will tell you. Secrets in his Some dreams. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. I want to steal that plot point for a slightly more serious game, actually, because I'm kind of interested in it. <laughs> uh, It'll be a continuation. Same canon, same characters, different system. Yeah, we pre-associated a pretty decent plot. Because, yeah, so what you do is you, you watch this video or whatever, and then you just sort of, well, once you as a group know what the Illuminati wants you to do, you agree that that's what's happening, and you go do it. Well, you agree, and then you all say as one, Illuminati confirmed. So, we mentioned already that this game is pretty light on rules, and just sticking in the character creation section for a second uh, as we make our way through this review, I want to draw a distinction between the place where I think the game is actually very right to not give you very much. You don't actually need more than, look, look, you work for the Illuminati, you've been handed a random prompt, go do things to address it. It very intentionally doesn't give you much of a character background, gives you a couple of basic motivations for why your character might work for the Illuminati, and why you'd be working together to investigate this weird puzzle. But like, if you're stopping and thinking too much about why you're doing things, you're probably playing this wrong, you should just go do the next thing in the process of building an absurd story. Whereas other places in the game are more genuinely lacking in rules of direction. Yeah, I in terms of character, I think I agree. Like, this is the game in which probably I feel like we had the least amount of character in our characters, just in terms of bouncing off and having personalities. I thought they were all, you know, pretty fun for what they were supposed to be doing, and they, they functioned for that purpose. But I was going to touch on really quick uh, on the actual process we went through for our briefing, but do maybe you have something to say back on characters first? Yeah. Yeah. So I did add one rule to this game, which is that we randomly generated the skills and assigned them to people by drafting them off a list. The game doesn't give you any particular directions about how you come up with your skills. It possibly suggests you just to pick, but it seemed in the spirit of things to decide them randomly. That also, I think, provided a pretty good character concept, at least for one of the characters, directly from the skills. So I can't remember if it's before character creation or after character creation, but one of the things that you do is you you set the maximum paranoia level, which is basically how weird is the truth? And our level of weirdness was like, most things about history are a lie, but like- But but below most of science is a lie. Yes, but below most of science is a lie. And I thought that that was a really delightful way to set the maximum level of weirdness. Like, how random are we going? (laughs) Let me take just a moment here to say, if you've noticed perhaps any kind of uh, interruption, I don't know how much I'm going to be able to edit this out. That's because we're being beset by cats from all sides. There's a hundred cats in this house. (laughs) Uh, There are three cats um, between the last time that we had cats on the podcast and this moment in time, we've acquired two more cats. I love all the cats, and they love the podcast. Yes, they're very good. Podcasts. Podcasts. Yes. (laughs) The problem with this, and I think we'll probably delve into this a lot more later, is that I'm not sure if it fucking matters at all. 
like how weird is the ultimate truth? I guess maybe if you're playing in a very long game of this. But it's not designed for very long games. Yeah. It even says it's not designed for very long games. So, like, you know, one of the examples of play is like, oh, it turns out that the bear is a holograph. Sorry. I love this cat. So, one of the examples of the play talks about how the, uh, oh, it turns out that the bear is a hologram. But the bear can be a hologram whether or not gravity is real. So, like, there's nothing about the overall weirdness of the world that really sets for sure the weirdness of the moment-by-moment zaniness of your game. And... Yeah, is there even an intersection point between that number we chose and the rules? No. It's just just to establish a ground rule so that all the players in the controller understand that you're playing in a world that's approximately this weird. But on the other hand as well, like one of the things about this game that I find maximally disappointing, and again, I'm not sure how much of this we will want to cover later, is that you are a member of the Illuminati. Therefore, you have a greater access to truth than anybody else does. You have a greater understanding of how the world works even as a junior member of the Illuminati. And yet, there is no joy. There is nothing that is like, ah, because I'm a member of the Illuminati, I am able to understand that if I say to this military person, you know, the water bottle is full of pink water, he, because he is controlled by MK Ultra, will just shut down. You know, like there's no access to like secrets like you're 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 a key holder but your keys don't open any doors does that make sense right there's something that's a little bit weird about the way the premise is created i think you could play the game that way though like if your character had linguistic assassination there is a totally different interpretation of that where that means something like you know secret phrases that will com- command people. So yeah, you don't get access to any of the like madcap joy or empowerment of somebody who can look at the world and see the source code. And that's really, really kind of strange, I think. Yeah, it's it's strange that it doesn't... There's no active role for the player in doing things like that. The game very much asks the controller to make it increasingly weird to make things happen that are inexplicable and that the players just have to grapple with. But there's this sense in which the player should know things or the player should be given a little bit more explicit permission to state things as truth. Uh, And this is the kind of game where there's almost a, a perfect case for having something that cedes narrative authority to the players a lot so that you really have word of god interjections about no it's totally aliens yeah no i we took on a role that was so similar to a typical adventuring party in terms of how much control we exerted over the narrative of the setting versus the narrative of what our player characters were doing the game goes as far as to uh, suggest that if you can't come up with a complication, you should ask the player to provide one. But it doesn't do anything more than that in 
terms of reversing control and giving it back to the players. Yeah, right after playing, we all had basically the same wish for it, which was that the free association part at the beginning of the game was somehow carried through the whole part of the game. Like, because when we were free associating, we had a lot of control at that point because, you know, we, we went from listening to uh, a song tutorial to be like, oh, C major, a major on the sea. Uh, this has something to do with the ocean. And then, like, extrapolating out from there. There are also minors, so maybe they have a child? Yeah. The song is called Sleepwalker, so clearly that's important. That's not a reference to MK Ultra Mind Control. I don't know what is. You know, so in that moment, we were getting to maybe not world build exactly, but uh, we got to decide something that was true or at least surface level true for the conspiracy as it was. And then right after that, it sort of cut off and it was all Hugh. And that's not that Hugh did a bad job. He was lovely. But it was weird to have that kind of bifurcation, I guess. So weirdly, it suggests, it tells the controller to take what the players brainstorm and decide how much of it is true. Like, and, and suggest that it should be most of it or it should be all of it and there are additional things they don't yet know. Mm-hmm. Which, I'm, I'm glad it does because just, and decide that it should, which of it, how much of it is true is odd. You probably wouldn't want to back away from what the players have come up with ever. That would be yeah, what, very weird for the game. You could. I don't even know what feel that would lend to the game. If you come up with all these theories to make the world a weirder and wackier place, and the GM intercedes to be like, mm, less of that. Or even just like, eh, well, it's not about MK Ultra. It's actually pod people. Be like, well, and, and like, I guess, I guess I could imagine that, but only like, we think it's MK Ultra, and we're following it as though it's MK Ultra, but it turns out that MK Ultra is actually pod people. Like, that would be acceptable. Right. But not it really. Double like, so if you'd rolled a one. <laughs> like, that's in fact kind of what's supposed to happen when you roll a one, judging by the example of play. Right. And like, getting one on driven off the plot and down a sequence of tangents seems to be the intended shape of it. I was just going to make a pyramid of fate joke. Oh, right, yeah. You don't roll d4s. You have uh, Illuminati pyramids of fate, which is a hair too cutesy for me, but only a hair. I love it. <laughs> All right. I did, thanks, Wednesday. <laughs> I'm basically on board with it. I'm pretty much on board with it. All but... right, well, Charles is the grump here. I this will retire your, to my grump hole. This has been your dice naming review podcast. <laughs> Someday we'll play that. Uh, parallel sides. Join <laughs> us next week when we talk about dodecahedrons. They do have parallel sides. The, the funny thing is, oddly, don't. <laughs> they don't, yep. And, like, again, speaking on the intended, like, tone and seriousness of this game, we didn't even touch on some of the things, some of the special abilities that the characters can have. My character was a music artist. And the suggested ability for that was that when making rolls, I could have uh, could read out lyrics for like that specific moment that I would presumably have had as a music artist. I never did end up doing that, although I wrote a bunch of them down. But like that's a suggested thing, and I don't know if that's somehow diegetic or not. But that's like an example of what we're dealing with here. Or there's another class I can't remember exactly what it's called, where you can literally pay the GM real life real money out of your real life real wallet get re-rolls business mogul (laughs) which doesn't even make any sense because you always succeed unless the gm would really rather you not succeed you just succeed with complications yeah and even if you fail it says that if anyone can't think of a complication you should just succeed 
So, I mean, I guess I support the notion that, like, in, in an Illuminati-controlled world, money really is kind of useless in some fundamental ways, and they really display that by having the business mogul's power be based on money and shockingly useless. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Okay, good. There was just no reaction, and I was like, okay, fine. Sorry, I'm reading a Wikipedia article about dodecahedrons. <laughs> Why are you doing that while we're recording a podcast? I was trying to figure out how many parallel sides a dodecahedron oh, has. No. Masturbate later. I mean, I yeah. What what I what I want out of the, the the game time is just a rule that like puns are canon. Yeah. Right. Like that's that's sort of what's neat about the free association portion is if you can make the leap of logic and it feels at least like a leap of logic or fancy, that's the world now. And something that brings that feeling explicitly into the actual play of the game would go a long way for me. I've never, I think I've never, our, one of our listeners will definitely will get emails if I'm wrong about this. <laughs> Shh. There's a carefully worded fiction here where I imagine we have listeners. Um, you will get emails at some point. That's I, true. I will continue to get emails. The point I was making with perambulations beforehand is that... Oh, Dodecahedron is six pairs of parallel sides. Just that seems in right. Case anyone's. Thank um, you, Hugh. We love you. Thank you. It's, it's a little weird. We it's actually you. a little <laughs> counterintuitive to visualize, but then you remember that a regular dodecahedron is symmetric under the exchange of one side with another because it's a regular... I don't know if I've ever had to say before, but I think that I never have seen a game that peaked as hard as this one did at character creation. And like scenario definition. Yeah, that was easily the most fun, most promising part of the game. The rest was sort of a roll downhill. The game doesn't support the actual play of the game in any meaningful way. The game provides essentially no meaningful structure other than a basic idea of just do stuff, roll a die when you don't know what's going to happen and see whether it goes well or badly. And like... I invented that method of tabletop role game sort of sui generis when I was 12. Like, everyone can figure that out. The thing that I think it wants the very most is some outside of the fiction of the game world suggestions about scenario design. Right. For instance, I think that we ended up starting quite by accident fairly far from our goal. When, if you really are, roll every time a player tries to do anything that requires effort or skill at all, you can start so close to the end of your mission and still take a whole play session to get there because things keep complicating, things keep twisting or turning out to be holograms, or there's a power behind the throne, behind the throne, behind the throne. Like, there, there are so many ways things can go wrong, even if you start at the 90-yard line, and we, we did try to rush it from the 50. So, given that there really aren't very many rules, and there isn't a lot of gameplay after character creation that's reviewable as such, why don't we move this discussion along? What's, what's the next step? Take this party Who? downtown. Who is this game for? Oh, man. I probably don't necessarily like you as a person, but if you're a person who really does find leaps of randomness still funny in the year of our lord 2017 
I actually think this is almost a best-case scenario game for that kind of person. And maybe I should be kinder to that, because I hear that that's actually how a lot of role-playing goes. Like, start in any genre you want, you'll end up in farce. And this one starts at farce, stays in farce, and our only flaw was that we sort of wandered backwards towards, like, geopolitical black comedy. You're hanging out with friends. You're ideally, I think not sober, or, you know, it's the middle of the night, you're feeling a little kicky, punchy, you're punchy. Whatever makes you punchy. And you're not totally sure what to do, your, your friends all play role-playing games. Hey, what about Conspiracist? Yeah, sounds good. Like, when I was a teener, that's how you say that. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a teenager. Teens day. <laughs> Teens day. Yes, as a, young, teen. mm, as a young teen. As a young teen's day youth fear. <laughs> I was looking for it. I got there first. I, as a teen, I was the the little random teen, and um, I would have enjoyed this at that point in my life. I think, and I think probably teenagers still exist. Oh yeah, are you are you a parent of teens who are going through that phase of humor now? There we go. Fine. Teens are allowed to do this. No one should censure them for that. Are you the sort of parent who needs to recommend role-playing systems to your teen? That sounds like a lovely relationship to have with your children. Why don't you try giving them conspiracists? I bet they'll be into it. Charles, it's not impossible that a teen could listen to our podcast. Oh. They let teens listen to <laughs> podcasts? I thought the teens only listen to YouTube Our videos. Our podcast is explicit. <laughs> this isn't a let's play. I haven't told you any Minecraft tricks or sworn at anyone in PUBG. Like, We're I don't think teens have anything, anything no. to get from us. It's just so funny to me that you're automatically assuming that we're talking to the parents. I mean, look, all we're the teens, old. all the teens who would have been down <laughs> left when I brought my grumpy old man to bear on the kind of humor they probably still love. I don't know. I'm not screaming at a FNAF, which I think is the only thing that teens think is funny anymore. Do people still care about FNAF? It's a FNAF. Uh, oh. <laughs> Wait, is you actually on the outside for this one? I have no fucking idea what a FNAF is. Oh, let's never tell him. Um, <laughs> or we could. I don't know what's better. Um, you'll well, you'll get there. We're certainly not going to tell him now. So. Oh, oh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Okay. You did. Okay. So, so for what it's worth, uh, until I until I put two and two together and got Five Nights at Freddy's five. Uh, I was thinking of it more like a thneed. Mm. Mm. Okay, yeah, teens are into thneeds. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the next thing after fidget spinners and dabbing and that bottle flipping thing and everything I know about teens fidget is just are rad, though. <laughs> I actually really like fidget spinners. I uh, hate all of you. <laughs> um, I don't know. Actually, if I'm honest, fidget spinners are like a bad fidget toy for me because there's no creative part to them, and that's what I want out of my fidget I like toys. the weight, though. The weight and the little whirly gyroscopy feeling is—it's calming. It's good. I like it. Just click your retractable ballpoint pen like everybody else, <laughs> and then grow old in your cubicle and die. <laughs> Thank you, boss. I'm just kidding. Even if you wanted that, you wouldn't have the opportunity anymore because this is a dark ass timeline. But um, whoa, sick. Okay, let's get off let's of back the. Off a uh, yeah, sorry. A little bit too real. A little bit too serious about the actual state of the world. Back to conspiracy theories. Who would like this game? Uh, have we mentioned that today is November fifth? Uh, yeah. I, I forgot. Well, remember now. Uh, forgot. Forgot. Remember. Remember. <laughs> who else is this game for? Anyone? People who want to like read the cool 
scenario and character generation thing and then go play a different game with it. Sure. I, I think that's who it's for. I do think it probably is a fun game to play with kids. I bet it's pretty fun to play with kids. Yeah, actually. So, yeah, no, <laughs> parents. Because they'll be like, this lol, is a game random, for parents. and you'll be like, uh-huh, next. <laughs> that's valid in this system. That's extremely encouraged. Yeah. And if I, the GM, can't find things that link together in a whole coherent and thematically resonant plot, I can at least make things be holograms, and that'll probably satisfy my audience. Yeah. This probably has about the same target audience as Superhero, which is a game that we've mentioned before, which I can't remember the exact wording of now, but it's something like... Your name is Superhero, you have a car and a high-powered rifle. Go. Go. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting, because that game to me is like... Yeah, this is a game for teenage nihilists. <laughs> or, like, this is a game for, like, I don't know, crabby edgelords. Sure. And this is not an edgelords Ooh. game, exactly, but it is the same kind of very rural minimalist, like, a free association kind of thing, it feels like. Sure. I'm going to take a minute here to say, I don't think I'm as down on this game's sort of target ideal form of humor as everyone else is. I think there's a way to make that kind of totally freewheeling and kind of random and then this happened and this this happened and then this happened just feel fun and reasonably coherent you just have to stick with events and things happening that all fall sort of roughly within one genre and the genre this wants to pick is like conspiracies about the illuminati and the greys and the lizard people and all of that and it's pretty easy to blame everything that happens on one of those things you could there's a better version of this game where there's a procedure for doing that this game doesn't give it to you but with some effort you can keep that pacing going and make everything about something i think the the biggest flaw in our game was the fact that i didn't try harder to keep making it weirder yeah i'm probably a little bit less down than i sound once I grasp what the game seems to want from its players, that's the thing that informs who I'm willing to recommend it to. But I should say that there is a mood for this game that is, if not a next-door neighbor, three houses down the way and they go to the same cookouts, that I think is actually a lot of fun, where you are playing the recently awakened, stumbling through a maze of twisty causality that makes sense but only kind of like whacked out 60s acid mystic sense. <laughs> what I'm saying here is the Illuminatus trilogy exists. Right. It's a clear antecedent to this game. And if this game resembled that slightly more serious world of insane overlapping conspiracy nonsense a little bit more, I think it would be a game that I would recommend to a wider swath of people, but with no support for that in either the thematic stuff or the rule stuff. I don't want to pretend that this game is that one. Yeah, I. as far as conspiracy games that I can think of off the top of my head go, I would still put, like, Paranoia ahead of this, probably, and that's not even a conspiracy game exactly. Or even maybe Siren. Yeah, this game, in, in its sort of incredibly loose, like, eh, just go with it structure, this did remind me of Siren. Yeah, but I think there's room for it. It's just your players and your GM have to be in a kind of sync that seems difficult. Siren is like a version of this game that actually has mechanical support for the gameplay, both by having a somewhat complicated mechanic with its dice where you use your dice, you some of your dice are spent, you do things, and also a structure for progressing through the plot of the game as you recover memories and 
so on. This game doesn't have any of that, and so it's left to drift aimlessly, and that, I think, is its fatal flaw. The fact that there is no mechanical support for the play of the game gives the designer no leverage to force the game in any particular kind of direction one way or another. The notion that you should just do whatever you feel like is fine, but as it turns out, when I'm left to do whatever I feel like, it turns into some kind of like wacky Coen Brothers James Bond movie. And when someone else is left to do whatever they feel like, it'll probably hit like a different genre optimum. And that's good and bad. It, you're likely to play a game that you personally like, but it's weak design because the mechanics don't hit the thematics at all because there's no mechanics at all. And that's saying something, because again, we mostly play games with extremely simple rule sets. So when we say that there is almost no rule here, that's that's a pretty serious allegation. So I, I've got a quote from the designer. Um, this quote, you can find it. It's responding to a comment on the drive-thru RPG. Him, them, I don't know we know the gender of a designer. But Sterling says, in my experience, a session usually lasts two to three hours. As for how do you know when to end it, the game of conspiracies can generally end in one of two ways. Either the players discover a, de a definitive final goal, and the players complete that goal, or the plot becomes such an incoherent mess that a rational story is impossible beyond that point. In that case, the controller should probably deus ex machina some sort of resolution to give the players a sense of closure, even though it's not really necessary. So, huh? it seems that even in the creator's mind, there isn't a driving force or direction for the actual play of the game. I think the fact that That's it degenerates into an incoherent mess is an actual sort of expected iteration of, of what gameplay looks like. That's a flaw. That's bad. I'm not willing to, to accept that as, as good design. I think that's just something that's unfinished where there, there isn't a guide rail or something to, to keep you going completely off the road. And I do think that that's a shame because I find the notion of uh, continue until the story is an incoherent mess to actually be kind of fundamentally interesting, especially for a game about conspiracy theories, because uh, I don't know about you, but I have listened to a bunch of conspiracy theorist stuff where it's like, well, this week we're interviewing this person on chemtrails, and this week we're interviewing this person on sovereign spirituality, which will allow you to download all information that you need from the ether. And you just look at that and you're like, wait, you're the same person making these two videos. They do not go together at all. How do, how are you as a human being able to have a coherent worldview believing both of these things? And so it really does feel to me like it fits within conspiracy theories to be like, too much stuff is true. We can't continue anymore. But, you know, the, there's, a, there's a, a version of this game where that is introducing those elements um, and overburdening the plot and literally like making it so it's like, okay, players, can you come up with a, a reason why all of this would be true without just deus ex machina-ing it until they can't anymore? Like, you, you could make that game. I'm fundamentally interested in that ending, but... Do we have anything more to say here? I think we've actually covered both 
who this game is for and who this game is not for in these statements, probably. So, in listening to some of our old podcasts, we realized that we had a section that we really liked and sort of forgot existed. So we're going to try to get back on that because um, it was a nice element of our podcast that we lost over time. So yeah, what is distinctive and unique about this system? I actually really like its skill generation system a yeah, lot. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, it's and delightful. It, its skills skills are great. That's the only thing that makes this game worthwhile, aside from the scenario generation. The fact that like something like explosive deception, the way that you're supposed to use a skill like that is like, look, it is explosive deception. Are you deceiving somebody about explosives? Great. Are you using explosives to deceive somebody? Great. Are you deceiving someone in a way that is somehow explosive? Great. That's all explosive deception. Like, that's so fun. That's such a flexible, weird tool to give to a player. To put that explicitly in dialogue with some other skill and trait systems we've seen in games, because you have this table of these sort of adjective-noun combinations, and they are reasonably well-selected for this genre of game, you know... Assassination, sabotage, persuasion, repairing, theft, deception, sneaking. The game, based on this set of specialties, kind of wants to be some kind of thriller. It's a conspiracy thriller, but it's clearly a thriller in genre. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised when I initially heard the lists because I was like, oh, this is actually a spy game. This is spy stuff. And looking at this, I realized that affected how I created a game. Mm-hmm. It was like, if these are the specialties and what the character is supposed to do, then this is a spy game. By having these fixed lists, you have the benefits of the open-endedness of a character trait system that like you might see in Dogs in the Vineyard or other games with the specialty where it can't be just anything. It has to be a phrase built according to this rubric that keeps all of your traits in genre. Mm, yes. Also, we, we talked extensively in our dogs review about the way in which we sort of accidentally ended up with traits that were too good or too bad or like too easily applicable or too rarely applicable. And this sort of weird, statistically improbable phrases are the only traits you can have. I think I underused mine. But I think that that was a matter of role-playing and not a matter of, like, I built traits that weren't useful. I think it manages to have found a way to balance for that without building any explicit balance mechanism, which is really cool. Yeah, and another thing that I think is really great about the balance is that if you did have a skill that was too good, there are two ways that that can shake out. The first way is it doesn't fucking matter because Conspiracist is not a serious game. And it's just fun and weird times. And the other way it shakes out is that the GM is like, wow, you're sure using explosive deception a lot. Maybe I'll try to steer us away from a scenario where this is likely to be useful. And if you find a way for it to be useful anyway, I guess God love ya, you know? Skills are the verbs of your story. So the, the skill list of a game is essentially a concise bullet point statement of most of the genre of the game it doesn't speak quite as much about tone but it basically defines everything that happens in a game it defines what sort of player interactions with the environment should feel like supported mechanics right and and are important enough that we should have rules for them so by having this list of specialties the game basically defines its genre 
And the question of how well does a skill list match the game that you actually play is something that comes up in basically any game that has a skill list. So even in just uh, your ordinary game of Dungeons and Dragons, there's always a tension between, well, uh, there's a character who put all of their skill points in bluff and diplomacy and wants to solve all of their problems by talking, and the other character who put all of their skill points in climb and move silently and use rope and use rope and wants to uh solve all of their problems by scuttling across the rooftops in the middle of the night and then there's the other character who doesn't have any skill points but has a very high base attack bonus and has a different set of mechanics that they want to use to resolve the game you can almost always make a perfect skill list if you have absolute control over the genre of game you're actually playing Judges and Dragons is a game that tries to play in many genres and support different kinds of adventures all at once. So it is a skill list that's actually broad enough to include many kinds of player interaction with the world. And so when any one group of players and one DM goes to sit down and play a game of Dungeons and Dragons, you may or may not end up with a distribution of player skill points into skills that are actually useful in the game. Similarly, in a game where you make up your traits or skills or features or special abilities, you might pick a special ability that's totally irrelevant to the thing that the Game Master has already decided is going to be the thing that happens in this game, if you're playing the kind of game where that's decided in advance and decided by one person. This game, by giving you a set of phrases and a generation system that's going to keep your, they're called specialties in this game for actually, uh, your specialties grounded in things that are going to happen in some kind of spy thriller genre, you're left with something that's pretty much guaranteed to work. I actually think that's an incredibly clever piece of game design. I think more games should give you a skill list. Like, handing the players a skill list or a trait list is actually a very good thing, and it's one of my pet peeves in some indie game design or some lazy or lightweight game design where it says just write down some things that you do you can do that but it's hard to ground those things in the story that you're actually going to play and it's also really nice as a player to sort of know what your options are what can i expect to have effects on the world you know what are what are my tools and my tools are my skills. So this brings me to one kind of 2.0 for this game to give it a little bit more structure. Are we done? Transition, yeah. Are, are, we, are, oh, are we done? This is our first segue in the whole podcast. Not it just this episode, so the entire series. <laughs> now that we've all trampled on it, we can we can move forward. But, yeah, but, but, but no. are we actually done with Shining Lights? Because... Well, there's also the story generation, but we already talked about it. Uh, love the story generation. Really enjoyed playing a goofy lizard person. I want to say something, and that is that I really appreciate that this is a game that interfaces with conspiracy theorists. Like, it doesn't do so as well as I would really like it to, and I think that we're going to explore some more in the 2.0s. Ah. But I don't think that I recall a game that is like, no, let's deal specifically and directly with this. Which is hilarious. Not hilarious, but it's just odd to me because... Conspiracy theorists are such an interesting, long-running, right sort of thing to deal with. So, so two-pointos. A version of this that, with one quick rule change, that I think would work better if you wanted to stay with the game's original drive everything towards chaos idea. Basically, just a fixed rotation of this. We're gonna move the story along. 
this player is going to use one of their specialties or do something to cause a thing to happen. The other thing that I would do is just drop the controller entirely. This game doesn't really need a DM. I mean, it, it does the way it's structured right now, but if you had a fixed rotation of player actions, you could have a player action and a further plot development happen in a straightforward way without requiring a, a controller intervening. I was going to go even one step further. I, I had a similar thought that, yeah, carving out the GM was one of the first places I'd look to go. And I think this game probably feels pretty great if you come out the other end with a plot that feels like a beautiful corpse, like the product of that game. And if you don't know what that game is, dear listener, uh, Google it. I don't want to have to like is explain it, this long form. I thought it was Exquisite Corpse. Oh, it is Exquisite. Yeah, not just Gosh, a beautiful corpse. <laughs> oh, man. Just a just great a, dead uh, body. Just a great dead body. <laughs> yeah, you want to walk out the other end with a great dead body. Die young, leave a great dead body. God damn it. All right. Well, anyways, other than my inability to remember what that game is called, having some mechanic where, like, if you have to make a check, you know, on one you succeed, but whoever is GM complicates. On two, partial success. On three, success. On four, you're God now. Like, explicitly passing the GM hood back and forth in ways that are literally random probably contributes to the feeling that you want. One, player to your left complicates. Mm. Two, player to your right complicates. Three, you complicate. Four, no complication. I like it. The only the reason mine is the way it is, though, is because I still want there to be more room for someone to be narrator so that we can theoretically have the story seized suddenly by an artistic hand that really thought the aliens were the cool part. Only to later be like, well, actually, um, the aliens are just pawns of the men in black. Weird, I know, right? But here we are. And I, I don't know, that probably won't play out perfectly in practice, especially because the urge to collaborate is so strong. And the urge to be the person who has a given plot obsession and pursues it to the detriment of other people's stories is, like, literally something you breed out of yourself playing RPGs well. But, like, if you could regress... Right. This is the game where that regression would make a better game. And that's weird. That's an interesting point. I have been sitting on the word conspiracist for about <laughs> the entire time we've been playing. That sound, I'm sorry, was all of the air leaving my body. <laughs> Winsor's just deflated now. She's just like... I'm sorry, everyone. But, yeah, like, we all sheepishly admitted in the twilight hours of our game that we had each of our own thought like, well, what if we were not sober for this? And I know at least I was like, yeah, I think I might have played this game better not sober. And I don't think that's true, even for other pretty wacky, pretty silly, pretty funny, off-the-wall cuckoo systems you know what's not a word that any 20 or 30 something still say cuckoo is yeah. it cuckoo Charles? Yeah, i'm glad you're cuckoo. adapting to appeal to all the teens that listen to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> or i have decided that our well, um, gee willikers johnny that's just <laughs> cuckoo i mean it's more this that uh rather than attempting to adapt to the teens i have decided apparently that our constituency is like pipe smoking 50s dads who recommend games to their kids. Charles, you've always thought like that Like Hoopstick'em was... and, you know, what a, fighting the Reds. Ball. Cup and Ball, yeah. 
That's a miserable shoes. game that is there just to teach children about, like, frustration and hate. That They decide, they're like, that's what amusements are. At least you won't be touching yourself. Like, I'm deep in the pocket of having to think about history today. But yeah, in all surprising and sober seriousness, if you and your friends get high and watch Rick and Morty, you might be the sort of people who want to play this game and not be sober while doing it, and I think you might have a great time. Yeah. yeah. Especially so, if the GM's sober. Or like, maybe just drinking rather than stone. Yeah, just, just to have somebody who is like, tone it back, guys. Your humble hosts are all located in Oregon, a place where we can say that, and we are admitting solely to legal activity. Like, clearly, none of us have ever done the marijuana. But regardless, like, there are two games that we've played that I think were a person, the type of person who gets high, they would be pretty enjoyable, and that is this and Ribbon Drive. Yeah, I'd accept Ribbon Drive into my heart. Yeah, like with the music, right? So, like, I don't know if that's a 2.0 by itself, but I, I like what you're thinking. I think, like, oh, man, it is the perfect 2.0. Like, it starts out as a game of conspiracist, and as as the drugs start to hit, you just transition as, as smoothly as you can into a game of Catherine. Oof. First of all, fuck off. <laughs> Second of all, can, can, can we continue to talk about 2.0s? Oh, I have some. <laughs> and, and not, like, three-point noun. Not pies? Yeah. No pies. No pies allowed. Wednesday, talk to me about your 2.0s. So, my first 2.0 is that instead of it being conspiracy, you're playing Batman 66. And I don't know if you're all Batman or, like, Batman and a number of Robins or what. Just but the it's, Bat family. Yeah, the Bat family. I like, could be Catwoman. Yeah, essentially, like, the GM gives you some kind of weird riddle, and maybe it's the same exact thing. It's a YouTube video or whatever, and it's been left by the Riddler or something, and uh, you just have to do the same uh, kind of thing. But are there, like, several left by the Riddler? Yeah. And you have to figure out what the Riddler's plot yeah. is? So, like, instead of, instead of going and playing, like, the conspiracy thing... You're basically doing that free association from point to point, and maybe between that you can do some fiasco or something, I'm not sure. But it's absolutely in that super campy, uh, super retro kind of Batman feel. And I think that's a good fit. Pretty fishy what happened to me on that ladder. You mean where there's a fish, there could be a penguin. But wait, it happened at sea. See? See for Catwoman. Yet an exploding shark was pulling my leg. The Joker. All adds up to a sinister riddle. Riddle-er. Riddler? So, uh, I think that I, I'd be really happy to play a version of that, that you just do that for a couple of different sets of clues. Yeah. I, this, is the, this is a game that more than anything else we've played feels like a really fun, like, group storytelling tool or generator more than it actually is a, a good role-playing game. Yeah, speaking of, uh, my second 2.0 is a little vaguer, but... Uh, in the back of my mind, I keep thinking, but what if, but what if LARP? Okay. <laughs> uh, and there's already an element of prop comedy to the, like, <laughs> scenario generation. That's barely a step off LARP. Yeah, no, I mean, my thought is, and it's, it's not fully developed. What if you're just walking around, what if you're walking around outside and you have to take things that you see and then put them together into a conspiracy and then let that guide where you walk and, like, sort of just tell a story as you go? And I don't know that this would be a full story or a full game, but... I think it would be a fun thing to pass the time with while you're walking around. You know, collaborative pareidolia as yeah, yeah. A, uh, an outdoor sport. But what if LARP? Do we have any other 2.0s? Yes. It's really LARP. Parallel Lives. Mm-hmm. We're cuckoo for LARPs. Ooh, golly. Okay, <laughs> no. so I, friends, have 
three two point Whoa! Whoa! I need wow. to get Wednesday home at some point in the season. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. All right. So the first two are based off the notion of like, oh man, the free association is clearly the best part of this game. How do you incorporate more free association into the game itself? Number one, conspiracist plus dogs in the vineyard. You, <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> no, you, you are. I'm listening. You are like, you are, you know, like Illuminati missionaries sent to like different Illuminati sects or something to sort out their problems. And this, I think, for me, plays just adorably into the fact that in Dogs in the Vineyard, you're always right. So you are the person who, like, has access to the code in a way that these people don't. And so you can be like, ha, here's your problems. Free associate it. I think that's adorable. Thank you. Number two, every problem is a problem that you as a group free associate your way out of. So we're in a sort of language dungeon and we have certain things that we can do to words. That's coming out next week. <laughs> that's that's cool, but no. More like, okay, like one of the things that happened in our game is like you're on a plane and somebody has a bomb. How do you get out of this problem? Uh, and the GM will name like, oh, I don't know, say 10 details. And so you work together free associating those details and building on what you've been doing so far to figure out like, the bomb is fake, or whatever. And when you're prepared, when you're like, all right, here's what's going to happen. Here's how we're free associating our way out of this paper bag. You go, Illuminati complete, right? Okay. All right. Yeah. And lastly, is sort of a way to make it so the story will collapse on itself. Which is, again, like, you're playing the game, you roll dice, and every time you get a one, something becomes true about the world. Hmm. And when your players can no longer figure out a way besides, fuck, it's all just magic, okay? It's all just fucking magic. To make that all true, then the game ends. Okay. Okay. I yeah. like it. Yeah, just trap yourself in a, a web of competing caus- causalities until at last you're paralyzed and uh, unable yeah. to move. No, I, I can't think of a way for... It's um, cause bondage. What? Sorry, teens. That's <laughs> something that adults do. <laughs> teens, you're not supposed to be listening to this. Go home. Go away from your podcast shack where you listen to podcasts. That's weird. So those those are my those are my three On your transistor radios? Yeah. On your Mexican radio? No, on like this shack that you found out in the woods where you have a bunch of porno mags and you listen to podcasts. <laughs> I remember when I found Shaq in the middle of the woods just covered in porno mags. What was that was different. To? What was he listening to? Uh, WTF with Mark Maron, oh, okay. enough. Yeah, no, he th- thinks it's a really like surprisingly incisive interviewer and uh, he's been, he was really important in the 80s and he likes remembering what comedy was like then. So anyways, that's what that was like. Okay. Uh, do you have anything more to say on this podcast? Well, oh, wait, I thought we were probably associating our way as the host. No, <laughs> no that's... Uh, okay, I wouldn't have gone so deep on that shack bit otherwise. I'm so sorry. I thought perhaps you had uh, like a 2.0 or something. No, I had something to say about the Republican tax plan. Let's not do that. All right. Um, <laughs> the I'm trying to do this like a podcast joke. Like, okay. Well, you kept saying in the weeds. And, and now we're I, not recording. Yeah. <laughs> Until next week, shack be with you. And also with you. <laughs> 
listening to Parallel Lives. If you want to find the show online, we're at ParallelURL.com, ParallelPodcast at gmail.com, or the Parallel Lives Tabletop Podcast on Facebook. And hey, why not review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher Radio? To connect the dots yourself, head over to DriveThruRPG and you can pick up Conspiracist for the suspicious price of zero dollars and zero cents. If you'd like to find any of us on Twitter, the podcast is at Parallel Chat, I am at Wednesday Quest, Hugh is at Ionic Blather, Carrie is at Baroque Emotions, and Charles is at Gush4U with the number four and the letter U. This episode was produced by me with music by Kevin McLeod. Next week, tune in for our very own award show and season wrap-up of Parallel Lives, second edition. And don't worry, there's more to come yet. Merkin of respectability that is swim, by the way. What? Oh, okay. Just briefly, cool yeah. factoids of the moment. Goes like The this. phrase frayed Merkin of respectability is great. Factoid. Uh, I use it way too <laughs> All often. The time. Um, All the time. But uh, it's, it's really common in like uh, Arrowid forums and like other drug dens of the internet, mm-hmm. and it stands for someone who isn't me. <laughs> so it just replaces the personal pronoun I almost everywhere in That's these forums. That's really good. Uh, and I don't know if it's ever been. Yeah. It was t-, t-, t minus zero for swim when swim decided realized that actually they had something to do that day. No, like. <laughs> And I don't know if it's ever held up in court. It feels like pure, like, if you're a cop, you have to tell me voodoo. <laughs> I, uh, but I love watching drug heads, which I assume is what they call themselves. Oh, oh yeah, God, the 50s heads. dad is getting worse. <laughs> Did you know? I turned Shave into one this your Halloween. beard! <laughs> <laughs>